3: said that instead we should take more immigrants from countries like Norway. And Norwegians were like, America? We're not going to that, Shatterhoven. (laughs) Can I be honest? When
4: someone asked me, did you hear what Donald Trump called Haiti in Africa? I was like, oh boy, did it start with an N? But then I heard what he said and I was like, that's it? I've said that about countries for not having a CVS.
3: (laughs) (laughs) those are funny jokes that's surprising i'm not going to that (laughs) shatterhoven that's hilarious (laughs) we're getting a lot of texts from people who were in hawaii over the weekend how (coughs) how would so many of our listeners be in hawaii over the weekend that's a good
5: weekend to be in hawaii huh it's january weather's miserable it's cold
3: sweat anyway my wife and i were snorkeling looking at the beach people started running off the beach we didn't know what was going on I think it'd be a, uh, what do you call
5: it, a tsunami or something. Damn it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, keep those uh, emails, texts coming. What was it like? What happened? Email us at armstrongandgetty at yahoo.com. Spell it out, armstrongandgetty at yahoo.com, or text us, four one five two nine five 295 kftc
3: Shatterhoven.
5: This is going to take a couple of minutes, uh, but we wanted to share this with you. Uh, a number of people have alerted us to its uh, existence. Uh, a piece in the wall street journal by Shelby Steele, who is a uh, a black man african-american he is an academic a thinker writer philosopher etc um his thing is if you want to know his thing he actually believes uh African Americans are equal to anybody and he would prefer to be treated that way and not as an object of pity or what have you that's kind of his uh this thing he talks a little bit about the uh, protests in the NFL and how the guys um, have the serious faces and the rest of it. They look a little like Tommy Smith, John Carlos at the 68 Olympics, Muhammad Ali fearlessly raging against the Vietnam War, Jackie Robinson defiantly running the bases in the face of racist taunts, etc. Protest has long been an ennobling tradition in black American life, he says, from the Montgomery bus boycott to the March on Selma from lunch counter sit-ins and freedom rides to the 1963 march on Washington. Only protest could open the way to freedom and acknowledgement of full humanity, so it was a high calling in black life. It required great sacrifice and entailed great risk. Martin Luther King Jr., the archetypal black protester, made his sacrifices, ennobled all of America, and was then shot dead. For the NFL players, there was no real sacrifice, no risk, and no achievement. Still, in black America, there remains a great reverence for protest. And he he talks about how important that was and how protest, not immigration, was our way into the American dream. Freedom in this country had always been relative to race, and it was black protest that made freedom an absolute... It is not surprising, then, that these black football players would don the mantle of protest. The surprise was that it didn't work. They had misread the historic moment. They were not speaking truth to power. Rather, they were figures of pathos, mindlessly loyal to a black identity that had run its course. What they missed is a simple truth that is both obvious and unutterable. Kind of our thing around here, stating what is obvious and unutterable. The oppression of black people is over with. This is politically incorrect news, but it is true nonetheless. We blacks are today a free people. It is as if freedom sneaked up and caught us by surprise. Of course, this does not mean there is no racism left in American life. Racism is endemic to the human condition, just as stupidity is. That is one of my favorite sentences ever. It's something I've tried to preach, but less eloquently. Racism is endemic to the human condition, just like stupidity. We will always have to be on guard against it, but now it is recognized as a scourge, as the crowning immorality of our age and our history. Protest always tries to make a point, but what happens when that point has already been made? When in this case, racism has become anathema and freedom has expanded. And here he gets to his main point, and the really controversial part. What happened was that black America was confronted with a new problem, the shock of freedom. This is what replaced racism as our primary difficulty. Blacks had survived every form of human debasement with ingenuity, self-reliance, a deep and ironic humor, a capacity for self-reinvention and heroic fortitude. But we had no experience of wide open freedom. Watch out for what you ask. You get what you ask for, as the saying goes. Freedom came to blacks with an overlay of cruelty because it meant we had to look at ourselves without the excuse of oppression. Four centuries of dehumanization left us underdeveloped in many ways and within the world's most highly developed society. When freedom expanded, we became more accountable for that underdevelopment. So freedom puts blacks at risk of being judged inferior, the very libel that has always been used against us. He talks about the violence in Chicago that's almost entirely black on black. And it cannot be blamed simply on white racism. Then he gets to the counter-argument, which I thought, oh, but I know the counter-argument. Well, so does he, and he gets to it. We can say that past depression left us unprepared for freedom. This is certainly true, but it is no consolation. Freedom is just freedom. It is a condition, not an agent of change. It does not develop or uplift those who win it. Freedom holds us accountable, no matter the disadvantages we inherited from the past. The tragedy in Chicago, rightly or wrongly, reflects on black America. Um... And then uh, let me read you just one more part, uh, and then we can discuss. But that's why in the face of freedom's unsparing judgmentalism, we reflexively claim that freedom is a lie. We conjure elaborate narratives that give white racism new life in the present. Systemic, structural racism, racist microaggressions, white privilege, and so on. All these narratives insist that blacks are still victims of racism and that freedom's accountability is an injustice. We end up giving victimization the charisma of black authenticity. Suffering, poverty, and underdevelopment are the things that make you truly black. Success and achievement throws your authenticity into question. The NFL protests are not really about injustice. Instead, such protests are usually genuflections to today's victim-focused black identity. Protest is the action arm of this identity. It is not seeking a new and better world. It merely wants documentation that the old racist world still exists. It wants an excuse.
3: And that was in the Wall Street Journal, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
5: And, you know, there's one more... um, He said, the NFL protests may be a harbinger of change. He's just thinking a different change. They elicited considerable resentment. There have been counter-protests. TV viewership has gone down. Ticket sales have dropped. What is remarkable about this response is that it may foretell a new fearlessness in white America. A new willingness in whites and blacks outside the victim-focused identity to say to blacks what they really think and feel. To judge blacks fairly by standards that are universal. We've lived in a bubble since the 1960s because whites have been deferential for fear of being seen as racist. The NFL protests reveal the fundamental obsolescence for both blacks and whites of a victim-focused approach to racial inequality. It causes whites to retreat into deference and blacks to become nothing more than victims. It makes engaging as human beings and citizens impermissible, a betrayal of the sacred group identity. Black victimization is not much with us anymore as a reality but it remains all too powerful as a hegemony well as a way to r- r- unite people and have power you know uh, the proof of this to me is that thing we we first became exposed to the other day i guess it was last week that now refusal to commit microaggressions is racist because it is a refusal to have the conversations that need to be had uh, which is a bizarro hall of mirrors. All right, now I have no effing idea what I'm supposed to do, if you're the sort of person who cares about that sort of thing. But I think what Shelby Steele would say is that we've got to drop all of this stuff and truly engage with each other as equals. That is clearly what needs to happen now.
3: And what is his act? What does he do? He's a,
5: uh, well, he was he's a uh, now a fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution, Author, documentary, documentary filmmaker. I'm a fellow sitting in this chair. And, and a fine fellow you are. In 1990, he received the National Book Critics Circle Award in the general nonfiction category for his book, The Content of Our Character.
3: Mm, okay. mm, yeah. gotcha.
5: he's thinker.
3: A, he's a meaty, meaty thinker. Son of a truck driver and a social worker.
6: There
3: you go. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thought. Yeah, there's one part in there that reminded me of when Hillary Clinton, and she got uh, a lot of backlash for this, and the, so she didn't pursue this anymore. But she once confronted the Black Lives Matter people. Remember early in the campaign when they would disrupt? Uh, they disrupted Bernie, and he let he stood to the side and let them take over the rally, and kind of sheepishly, and yeah, until finally it obviously was
5: never going to end. So he and his people made pathetic, limp-wristed attempts to uh, retake the
3: mic. And Hillary once got in their face and said, "What do you want?" What do you want? What legislation do you want passed? Because that's what you have to do. You have to want something, and then you have to work toward changing something. Right. What specifically do you want? Until you can tell me what specifically you want to have happen, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, she got a lot of blowback for that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. gave up that angle. A but, moment uh, where I really admired her, honestly. Just protesting, what, what specific things do you want changed is often interesting. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, listen, listen to me.
5: Listen here. I've studied this my entire life, and I'm talking to our... our our black listeners, our Mexican listeners, um, whomever, uh, who who tends to find themselves in a political block, you have no idea how the morally bankrupt political professionals, how low they will stoop, and how divisive and immoral and un-American and just horrific they will be to keep you in your tidy little voting block. They will say anything. They will betray any principle. They will shed the Constitution. They would kick Jesus in the knee to get you to vote in a certain way and perpetuate their power. And that's kind of what Shelby Steele was talking about. But it's, well, it's it's another aspect of that same idea of imagined or exaggerated grievance to give you an identity. It happens that that identity is incredibly useful for politicians.
3: And we got this text. That author that Joe is quoting is right. I'm a black man from the south side of Chicago, Englewood neighborhood. Many black-on-black crime murders, I wholeheartedly agree. Interesting.
5: Well, and listen, Um, those of us who are kind of old-school Martin Luther King fans of civil rights... And 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 by God, if you're a, a libertarian and a constitutionalist and you're not, well, you're a liar and a hypocrite. Um, see, we're 100% down with the whole content of your character thing and the equality thing. You, sir, are equal to me in every single way. And I respect you completely. So then when somebody comes along and tells me, I've got to treat you with the softest of kid gloves. And I've got to be terrified to even talk to you that I say the wrong thing. That that casts you as
3: pathetic. And I, I won't have it. Um, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. After that very thorny, heavy uh, segment, be might be a good time for me to ask Michael a couple of questions about the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, where uh, I'm sure all sorts of debauchery occurred. Like, what was the racial makeup of the exhibitors? <sighs> Uh, we got this text. Dennis Rodman was arrested over the weekend. Is that true? We got to find oh, no. out why. What happened? That's, oh, no. that's not good. The guy's in his 50s. You don't want to be getting arrested
5: at this point of your life. Many piercings set off the metal detector at the airport, and he refused to show them
0: some of them.
3: Mark Wahlberg donated his salary from his movie to a charity. Why did he do that? I think yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. But stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
5: Armstrong and Getty. The Voice of the West.
3: select the option for a drill instead he clicked the real thing this was the alert heard by people across the island chain
0: a missile may impact on land or sea within minutes this is not a
3: drill they just showed the video of that that was a guy who for whatever reason had his camera going in his car that was coming across your car radio wow as you're just driving around you're listening to your music or whatever and that comes on blasting in A missile may impact within minutes. This is not a drill. No, it's not a drill. It's an (laughs) F-up. Holy
5: crap! Right. Right.
3: You wouldn't have known whether to, you know, scratch your ass or wind your watch, as I say. (laughs)
5: Right. It's no time to say that. You're running for your life. God, you're running to pick up your kids and just... Oh, my God.
3: That is something. Yeah, it is
5: something. Well, it's not like it... it... It came in a time of no context. I mean... This is in the headlines every day, North Korea, and, and what's uh, what missile's capable of reaching where, and everybody's talking about it. How terrible.
3: I'm nice go job, with... Hawaii. I'm now go... you got poi on your face, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the TMZ version of the Dennis Rodman story, because I can only assume it's the best. Well, yeah. If I want a sports story, I'm going to a bleacher report or something like that. Dennis Rodman, TMZ. So, over the weekend, Dennis Rodman got a DUI. He's driving drunk. He's on probation. Yeah, boy. So he's probably going to be going to jail. You get a DUI on probation. What are you driving for, Dennis? Uh, D- Dennis Rodman's rep, he has a representative still, uh, told TMZ Sports that uh, Dennis Rodman said he needs rehab and will probably be going soon. Does he take complete responsibility? Wasn't he on celebrity rehab for one or two or five of the seasons? <laughs>
5: So, Wait, was that the Dr. Drew vehicle
3: it was later
5: it's, uh, it's, exposed as
3: a, as a just complete joke? Well, of I, it, I don't know. I always thought it seemed to take things pretty seriously, but rehabs are a joke in most uh, situations. I mean, just in my... Well, based on all... There's a good article about this uh, last <laughs> week. I never got to this stuff last week. About how the rehab business exploded after... T- uh, George Bush signed something in 2008, and then Barack Obama, does something happened with Obamacare. A couple of different things where insurance has to pay for it, and then there's no limit to how many times insurance can pay for it. Right. So the combine you combine that with the fact that rehabs. Don't work that well to start with. Mm-hmm. With with a whole, those were the ones that were like trying their hardest. Their success rate was practically nothing, and there are there are no good stats out there for rehabs. That that was part of this article in the New York Times. They're, it's just very hard to nail down, mostly because nobody can come up with any stats that would make it look good. So, um, there's, there's there's very little evidence to show out there that this that this you know has much effect on the world. Mm-hmm. It's almost all entirely in 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 cultures subconscious that this is a thing because it's not really a thing right it's like witches in the 15th century people walked around talking about them The, the only thing is there weren't any but anyway so when they were trying their hardest most of them they weren't very effective. Right. Then, a couple of presidents come along to where, make it, where oh my God, there's a money spigot out there for rehabs? Unlimited money with no standards. Now, please be ethical. Right. There's uh, there, are, there are very little standards for what's a rehab. I could turn my house into one from what I understand if I wanted to. Well, 60 Minutes did a brilliant job and of those, so that Florida town that's like mostly phony rehabs now. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. I could dig them up, but it's a multi gazillion dollar industry now, the whole rehab industry all across the country. And, uh. A lot of it's really, really sad because there's a lot of people that think this is the answer. For whatever reason, and I don't know how we ever came up with this idea. What convinced us of it? A lot of people think, oh, my God, dad's ruining our family. Um, let's send him to rehab and fix him. Mm. There's nothing out there to tell you that that that's likely to work, but mm. that's what everybody does, and at great expense. Now, mostly to the taxpayer because it's all uh, insurance and Obamacare and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's very troubling. Anyway, uh, but it, but it still continues in the well, culture. The taxpayer, your fellow rate payers for
5: yeah. the insurance companies, it yeah.
3: still continues in our culture. In that, when anybody f's up like Dennis Rodman, it always the story always ends with he's going to rehab. Oh, it, good. And finally. everybody thinks,
5: okay, he will be cured. Yeah, it's like getting your clap treated or something like that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I hope poor Dennis can get his act together. I'm not sure they can. You know, it's like... uh,
4: Look at these guys!
3: here. Look at them! I'm looking.
5: It reminds me of the whole corporate tax thing. I heard a couple of Democrats wailing about how we've got to make these corporations pay their fair share. People wake up. Corporations don't pay taxes. You pay their taxes for them. Where do they get their effing money from? The stuff you buy. They raise their prices to cover their taxes. It's just like the insurance thing. We're going to mandate that insurance companies pay for rehab. Raw. Now insurance companies and all their executives will just sell all their stuff. And it's hard to pay attention to what I'm sorry. Uh never mind. But they ins- my-
3: they're insanely expensive. For, because you can yeah, charge and, as much as you want.
5: And you're paying for it. Yeah. You're paying for your neighbor to go
3: to completely ineffective government-mandated rehab. By the way, the inpatient ones, very low success rate. The outpatient ones actually have a decent success rate. The outpatient stuff. What do you got coming up in your news, Marshall?
6: Well, what some people did Saturday when they thought missiles were going to rain down on Hawaii. we got another example of that. And the one simple thing you can do to fall asleep faster. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Two words, get drunk. Exactly, booze, Booze. more booze.
3: If you're still not sleeping, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey there, how you doing? Welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't know if you're working today or not. We're working. It would appear that we are. Well, this is what passes for work in our world, I guess. A lot of hard-working folks out there don't have the day off, so we thought we'd come in and do our thing. By the way, on the whole rehab thing we were talking about, because Dennis Rodman apparently is headed there after getting another DUI over the weekend, he's on probation from fleeing the scene of a crime from about a year and a half ago when he was driving the wrong way on a highway, almost certainly drunk, but he left the scene so I oh, couldn't pin boy. it on him. <clears throat> that happened locally. Six people died. That driving the wrong way on the yeah. freeway kills a lot of oh, people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Anyway, uh, I found the New York Times article about the rehabs. Addiction treatment is one of the most lucrative healthcare industries to emerge in a generation. And it goes through all the numbers. And that's a, that's a big industry, the whole healthcare industry. And the most lucrative chunk of it right now, the fastest growing chunk of it is the whole... Addiction centers, rehabs, right? Whatever they are, right? Uh, let's no get... standards and unlimited government money. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is happening? Is happening along with little success, right? Let's get the news now, with Marsha Phillips. Well,
6: Hawaiian officials continue to apologize for that false alarm about an incoming ballistic missile attack. The state's emergency uh, unit put out a, an alert yesterday or Saturday that terrified people until it was retracted about forty minutes later. During that time, this man recorded a video from the golf course to let his family know that he was going out swinging. If you're watching this video, that means I didn't make it because of the missile that's coming towards Hawaii. Man said he just hit a great shot and he scored a par on the last hole but wanted to get in touch with his family for one last time. Wow. Went out with a tidy par. Good man. A false warning sent during a shift change in
3: Hawaii's emergency but
5: management agency. But you missed agency. your birdie putt, obviously. <laughs> Idiot.
3: <laughs> you'd think you'd have no nerves with the missile coming in. What the hell difference does it make? Wouldn't you think? you think you'd be able to really calm down. Take the pressure off. I don't know. When, when hard it was, to say. Or, or yeah.
5: maybe you'd be so terrorized you couldn't stop shaking.
3: Oh, shaking from the, from the imminent death. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the old ID. So you don't have the golf nerves,
6: but you have the I'm about to die nerves. Right. You scan in the skies. I don't see any missiles. Play on. False warning sent during a shift change at Hawaii's emergency management agency when somebody during a routine test hit the live alert button by mistake, not once, but twice. A lot of people getting on their phones to let their family know they love them as the missiles were coming in. That's incredible. You I mean, know, it's just incredible.
5: Fairly shortly after that, a spokesman for the U.S. Pacific Command put out a statement: "U.S. Pacom has detected no ballistic missile threat to Hawaii. Earlier message was sent in error. State of Hawaii will send out a correction message as soon as possible." Which turned out to be thirty-eight minutes. Yeah, yeah.
6: The president is now blaming Democrats for the lack of a DACA deal. The president was telling reporters he's not sure the Dems want to make a deal. From telling reporters, Republicans do want to sit down and work things out. We are ready, willing and able to make a deal, but they don't want to. They don't want security at the border. They have people pouring in. They don't want security at the border. They don't want to stop drugs. And they want to take money away from our military, which we cannot do.
5: You sure. know, listen, I think Trump says all sorts of stupid stuff all the time, and he undermines his own agenda, and and he ought to shut up. All right? How's that? On the other hand, the idea that because he called a handful of countries poop holes, <laughs> we now cannot reach a DACA deal, doesn't that smell to you a little bit like maybe the Democrats want that wedge issue? They want the issue. They don't want to solve it.
6: Experts are pointing out you can do one simple thing to help you fall asleep faster and sleep sounder. If your mind races as you try to fall asleep, you take propofol.
0: I call it milk.
6: (laughs) You might just want to try making a to-do list so you can catch some Z's. Here's how it works: A study published in the Journal of Experimental Psychology found that people who wrote down future tasks they wanted to accomplish fell asleep faster. Baylor University scientists determined participants who wrote to-do lists fell asleep about nine minutes faster than those uh, than uh, those who didn't write about the tasks, and they slept more soundly. The idea behind writing down a to-do list is a way for your mind to deal with those things that you've been mulling over okay, I've got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this right if you're you... not tossing them around in your mind keeping, uh, keeping them
5: straight, worrying about them you got them down have written down I'll look again in the morning.
6: right you got a concrete plan of the way to deal with those things and it will help you go to sleep faster How about booze? Well, you know, Jack, if uh, if you're a uh, true diet in the world alcoholic, you realize that booze doesn't really help you sleep better. Sugar kicks ah. in, and then you're up and down and up and down. And One last note. Why- but you might not remember it.
3: Did you see Saturday Night Live's drunk boyfriend doll that you can get? That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was really good. And One of the things your drunk boyfriend is, does is have that one more beer before he goes to bed. <laughs>
6: And why we buy a 20 year old Florida man claiming the $450 million mega millions jackpot. Shane Misler bought the sole winning ticket last week at a 7 Eleven in Florida, and it was a quick pick. In a brief statement, Misler said he wasn't really surprised because he had a real feeling he might win. Ah, he plans to use the windfall. (laughs) Well,.
5: So you saw it coming. Yes,
6: Michael? No, he's 20
3: years old. What
6: could go wrong here? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.
3: I, just, I'm, I always say it's going to ruin your life, because it does for most people. And At 20, the, he doesn't have a chance. No, the vast majority of people yeah. winning the lottery ruins their lives. It, it ruins the lives of people who are like 50 years old, you'd think would right. know better. You're 20? Forget it. All of his old relationships
5: will fall apart because of weirdness and resentments. And every single woman he meets, I assume he's hetero. Every woman he meets, every would-be friend he makes, he will never know for the rest of his life whether they actually care about him or they're just hoping for his crumbs.
3: Plus, I hope you can be a good dad to that stripper's child she's going to have of yours, because that's inevitable. Yeah, hey, son, she's not on the pill. Well, she told me she...
5: She's not on the pill!
6: (laughs) Misler, in a brief statement, says, I'm only 20, but I hope to use the money to pursue a variety of passions. (laughs) Strippers, jet skis. <laughs> Help
3: my <laughs> Strippers on jet skis.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Help my family and do some good for humanity. To that end, Misler has, quote, retired and has founded the company secret 007 LLC.
3: There you go. Yes, Sean, you want to weigh in on this? <laughs> nah. Yeah. God dang it. That's uh, the poor kid. I mean, I, w- I would have ruined my life at 20. Yeah. I guarantee it. You give me a half a billion dollars. There's no chance. I'm doing well. The only chance he has is if he can hang out with the
5: super rich and somehow get them to accept him as some rube who won the
4: lottery. I would probably build my own, like, fun time casino, and I would make all my friends... Hey, he, I would I would skew the the odds in their favor. Right. You can you can become rich too. Just come to my casino. Come so on. So we're all rich together. Yeah, yeah. Right. To give so try to eliminate some of those feelings of resentment. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I well, I'm, unless I'm everybody healer. wins,
5: you're going to have that one friend who who gets fleeced by Sean's casino, and he's going to hate you bitterly. Oh great! Now you got like half a billion dollars and my thousand dollars.
6: Great. Hope you're happy, buddy. Right, come as he on back. storms out, we'll, we'll copy out. a room. Come on back. If you <laughs> copy I'll copy a yeah. buffet. Come on. Yeah.
3: <laughs> if you don't make your friends rich too, yeah. I mean, on Monday morning, yeah. come on. Let's go to. The, I gotta go to work, dude. All your friends are going to work, so you're at home in your giant house with your cool Ferrari out front. And come to he-
4: Saint Tropez with me. I don't even know where that is. <laughs> Shut up. It really reminds me when there was a there was one year when I was a child where I was. My mom and I were like, hey, well, I'm going to do this homeschool thing. This sounds good. She, had, she, she was an artist. She traveled for work. It, it seemed to make a lot of sense in many ways. And I was all for it until the first day of school when I said, hey, I'm going to call my friend Zach and see what he, Oh no, he's at school. Wait, what? Not everyone else was on the same plan. Well, this sucks. Yeah. And
3: then, so mm-hmm. I went down mm-hmm. and enrolled in school. Mm-hmm. That'd be like winning the lottery. Who
6: am it's- I going to hang out with? There you go, that's a wrap, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. And whether you're Elvis
3: or a rapper or whoever, you end up with all these people, or NBA players, you end up with all these people on your payroll because you want to hang out with your friends. Right. But, but they've gotta have, so They got to be able to make a living. Huh?
5: They don't ever dare tell you you're screwing up or you're making a bad decision or, or well, in short, the truth. So those relationships become weird and paranoid. Oh, well, yeah, because
3: Ugh. they don't want that to end. Right. Because if it ended, then all of a sudden you got to go back and get a job with this weird two-year blind spot on your resume. What did you do for those two years? I followed around my rich guy and got drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It's just uh, just a weird lifestyle. Speaking of being rich, Mark Wahlberg paying out uh, $1.2 million of his salary to a charity. Why? Just seems stupid to me. Mm -hmm. And he's a smart, smart guy. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show
2: and
5: Getty the voice of the West The Armstrong and Getty show.
6: Can I have some of the Queen's waters Precious waters. Where's that Bill Cosby pill I brought with me?
3: Awesome. That is Chris Matthews caught on a live mic before he interviewed Hillary Clinton uh, during the presidential campaign in 2016. Do we have the Queen's waters? (laughs) Where's my Bill Cosby pill? Wow. Uh, Which is pretty funny. Can I have some of the Queen's waters? (laughs) Matthews has made denigrating comments about Clinton before, calling her witchy, a she-devil, and Madame Defarge, referring to A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs>
5: she-devil. Um, witchy. She's a little witchy.
3: Yeah, he hates the Clintons. Always has. Or has for years. So That's why he voted for Bush. Because Gore was too much of a Clinton. Wow. Wow. Um, so Mark Wahlberg is, uh, was in a movie and that was the movie that Kevin Spacey was in, right? So then Kevin Spacey turns out to be a perv and everybody decided we can't have a movie with Kevin Spacey in it. All right. Nobody will go. Nobody likes pervs. All the money in the world. So they re- Name of the movie? So they re- <laughs> Reshot the scenes- where Kevin Spacey was in there, and you had to bring back some of the people. And
4: uh, and this reshoot schedule was about like two and a half, three weeks before the movie was scheduled to be released, and they were really wanting not to, to delay the release of it.
3: And they gave Mark Wahlberg $1.2 million to reshoot his scenes, and they gave the, uh, the Chick star $100 a day or something like that. For whatever reason, well, I think I think the reason is part of the story. Well, yeah, and, uh,
5: yeah, I'd say it is. And
3: so that came out, and everybody went crazy about inequality in Hollywood and why is a man getting paid more than a woman? And so he has donated his money, <laughs> his one point two million dollars, to the the hashtag MeToo movement,
5: whatever that means, or uh, Times Up Legal Defense Fund,
3: okay, in the name of Michelle Williams, his uh, gal co star. I don't, I don't know her. Which is part, uh, part of the reason yeah, that Mark Wahlberg gets $1.2 million. And well, she I doesn't. think the fact that it was in his contract is why he got the money. Mm. He had co star
5: approval and they switched out
3: his co star. So he said, I'm exercising my clause. You got to pay me. What do you suppose they would have had to pay Jennifer Lawrence if she'd had to come back as the highest paid actress in the world?
5: A hell of a lot more than Michelle Williams. Or probably Mark she's Wahlberg. worth more at the box office.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It seems pretty simple to me. It, is there is... something we're missing here? Do you know uh, you're no. really into the movie M- stuff, Mich- Sean? He's...
4: Michelle Williams is the lead of the movie. She essentially volunteered to not do it. The Another twist is they are represented by the same agency. So if this agency was arguing or negotiating that way for Mark Wahlberg, why weren't they doing it for her? Um, same reason our old agent. I'm glad he's our old agent not our current one. Uh,
5: he... he was an old agent. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we got the best agent in the world now. Get something done, would you? Anyway, uh, but our guy at the time also represented Bill O'Reilly. He asked for stuff for Bill O'Reilly he didn't ask for for us, because if he asked for us for that stuff, he'd have been laughed out of the room. (laughs) Likewise, Mark Wahlberg, one of the biggest movie stars in America, and Michelle Williams, who is apparently an actress.
4: Yeah, uh, yes, I understand. She doesn't have the the same popularity, but she was uh, in the she was nominated for Manchester by the Sea last year. She is very much a a a top billing actress in in those worlds. So so we are to believe that her agency passed up
5: the money for her and their commission on it out of
3: either like ignorance or sexism or what. Because the more she makes, the more they make. Isn't the highest paid actor in the world almost always a woman? It's Jennifer Lawrence now, right? And uh, I remember it was Julia Roberts for years. For For a long time, it's been a woman. Back in the day, it was men. Well, yeah, is, that, listen, is that out of some sort of sexism, or is it just who, who brings in the most money?
5: Listen, this is virtue signaling gone wild slash uh, ideology trumping intelligence. He got that in his
4: contract because he could get that in his contract. But should he have gotten that in his contract with everyone else on the with her saying, I'm gonna take my my per diem sag wages minimum amount for the good of this movie, for the good of this story, et cetera, et cetera it's 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 not saying that he wasn't allowed to do it, but he was kind of a jerk to once everybody else agreed to it, hold the production hostage and say not until I get my money. Well, he and, mo- and that has something to do with inequality of pay for women. It's well, it's a bad optics headline, but I I totally that's understand. That's all your it point. Is. Well, it's
3: yeah, it's bad optics enough to the fact that he donated the money. He obviously thought it was, looked bad enough that I had to give the money, right? Uh, to the charity. Um, he's an interesting dude. I didn't know about this until last week. I came across a YouTube video. He goes to he goes to Catholic church every morning, get his head straight, and goes out into the world, mostly focused on uh, various charities and making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. That's his whole thing. He's a really uh, a big time uh, Christian. And um, spent a lot of time in in jail, gangs. I didn't know all that stuff. Mm. He's had quite the rough life. Yeah, interesting.
5: Well, I tell you what. We will go through this spasm of virtue signaling in Hollywood. And quickly thereafter, movie studios will think, all right, he generally at the box or she at the box office pulls in this much. And it's like a quarter more than he does. So we're going to pay here a quarter more. And the very second the rolls are reversed, we're going to do the reverse. We don't care what sort of junk you have hanging off of you or what your name is. This is about dollars and cents. Pretty soon. Well, nah, I'm not even going down that road. We don't have time. Don't go down that road. Don't
3: go there. What are you trying to do? No, go ahead. Give your money back, Mark Wahlberg. It's fine. Let's play another one of those MLK clips, huh? Yes, we ought to be playing more of them. You dug up on uh, on this day. Martin Luther King would be considered a racist by modern standards. You think so? Oh, yeah. It's a controversial statement. You prepared to back that up? Yeah, absolutely. In your flannel shirt? What the hell? What's my choice of fabrics got to do with it? (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.